Hello and welcome to the Nursing Standard podcast. I'm your host, Flavia Munn, editor of Nursing Standard, and today we're looking at the issue of the impact of the NHS workplace on staff health and well-being. Now, I expect you all know that access to nutritious food alone at work can be really hard. Just try finding that in a vending machine, let alone in a canteen itself. And also, staff also struggle to even have perhaps a sip of water on shifts, and that's even if you can and have a break itself. So this is a topic which we know there's a lot of interest, which is why my colleague, uh, senior nurse editor Richard Hatchett, has been down at London South Bank University speaking with Professor Jane Wills, who's been researching this very issue. So hi, Richard. Hi, Flavia. Good to see you. We're never apart. We, all we ever do is podcasts. Oh, yeah, nothing else. <laughs> uh, this is an interesting topic, isn't it? And as a, a nurse myself, you know, you suddenly think back over the years, as to how difficult it always has been um, to access food. And as you say, sadly, uh, fluids and things don't seem to uh, be getting any better. So Jane is um, the perfect person to interview. She's Professor of Research and Enterprise and also Professor of Health Promotion down at London South Bank University. And colleagues will be familiar with Jane's name because she is the co-author with Dr Jenny Nadu of Foundations of Health Promotion. I'm old enough to have the first edition, but it's about to come out in the fifth edition. So Jane and her team, as you quite rightly said, have been exploring the contribution of the NHS workplace on the health of staff, but particularly uh, nurses. So I started by asking Jane, what research has she and her team been involved in looking at this particular topic? As, as you said, I started my career in health promotion as a discipline, and much of what I worked on then was trying to translate that discipline into everyday practice for nurses and midwives. And one of the contemporary issues, as everyone will know, is obesity in the general population. And it struck me about what is it that our student nurses do to maintain their lifestyles. So we started with a, a small project tracking our, a cohort of, of student nurses at London South Bank University with their health status over the three years of their course because some studies in America have shown that actually nurses' health deteriorates over the course of their study, more so than other students. And for obvious reasons, people don't eat well, and they're stressed, and they don't sleep, and so on. Um, and so that prompted us to then do a study looking at obesity prevalence amongst the nursing workforce. And there were some incredibly surprising findings from that study, which achieved a lot of tabloid coverage, which wasn't always very helpful. But the major finding was not that nurses are more likely to be obese than the general population, but that nurses more than any other healthcare professional were more likely to be obese. And so we began to think, well, what is it about the nursing role that, that might explain that particular finding. And of course it comes back to not so much exercise but about diet in particular and the lack of opportunities there are in the workplace to eat well, regularly and healthily. I did wonder Jane, and I don't mind being controversial but I hope I'm not insulting, I don't think I am, that in nursing the cohorts tend to be bigger um, than other healthcare professions, and therefore 
the mix of people is more dynamic and the variables may be more pronounced? I, I, I can understand where you're coming from. I think what people might say if we took the general population that there are social determinants of health and obesity mirrors that. So people who have are on lower incomes and so on. And to some extent, that might explain uh, the, the greater prevalence amongst nurses rather than other healthcare professionals. And certainly, though the unregistered healthcare professional had even higher rates of obesity. But we controlled for, for factors such as age, gender, and ethnicity. And it still was the case that nurses were more likely to be obese. One of the explanations is that nurses are more likely to be doing shift work and less likely to be able to remove themselves from the immediate frontline working. And as we know, and, and has been raised over and over again, the opportunities to find healthy food at nighttime, uh, even sometimes any food at all, are very scarce despite the commitment to address this. And it isn't just those who are working in, in acute sector. This is also true of community nurses who are constantly on the move and have huge caseloads and are also not able to access healthy food. So um, I suppose your first step was to find out what the causes were or the factors that contributed to it. Um, just picking that apart was some of it, I imagine, the environment, um, the systems approach, what was available, what was accessible. Was some of it, um, and I, I'm, I'm not somebody entrenched in health promotion, was it attitude of, of the nurses themselves? Is there an interrelation between the two? I wonder, I've, I'm guessing it's multifactorial, but were some things... Um, more dominant than others in, in terms of why this might be the situation? Yes, I mean, we, we looked at um, both of those aspects, both um, the individual, uh, and we surveyed um, RCN members at Congress over three years on separate occasions to look at whether people were motivated, whether it mattered to the nurse, and why it might matter, and whether they were motivated to change. One of the reasons why people might say it matters is that nurses should be role models. And so we have a large strand of our research work which is looking at whether nurses sh should be role models. And what we found is if you ask that question, there is overwhelming agreement. Of course nurses should be role models. But when it's unpacked with the individual nurse, then it's regarded as an unacceptable expectation and that a lot of nurses' own explanations for the rates of obesity are with the system and with the environment. And we heard a lot of stories from nurses at Congress about the poor access to food and particularly shocking to my mind was the poor access to hydration. Mm. So we found that maybe 30 to 40% of nurses were saying that they did not have access to water during their working day. And that is a real concern. Mm. 
Yeah, and it's certainly something uh, Darcy and I were suddenly becoming very aware of, of not just food, but actually access to to, yeah. to hydration. Um, can you just unpack a bit more? Did you did you speak just to nurses? Did you go to did, did you visit the environment? Did you talk to those who are on the other side of the fence? I suppose management and the those who are involved in the yes, hospital. Yes, we we I a uh, South Bank University. London South Bank University had a collaboration with C3 Collaborating for Health, which is a, a not-for-profit organisation led by Christine Hancock. Okay. And uh, together we worked with some nurses in co-production of what might be useful actions that could be taken. And we went through a whole design process with a design consultancy, and we ended up with three possibilities. One was something that tried to be a behavioral intervention, if you like, that, that ended up being an app, which has been taken forward called Nursing You, and the RCN kindly supported that, as did the Burdett Trust for Nursing. And nurses can access nursing you for free. And up until now, there's been a coach associated with that as well. The second option was one that was about looking at ways to make healthy food more available. So we explored food stops and so on for community nurses. And we didn't have the budget to implement it. But that was regarded quite favorably. I should say that Nursing You, by the way, was a, a name that, that the nurses themselves came up with. Yeah. The third option, where there has been a lot of divided opinion, is that nurses' own health becomes part of appraisal. So that it becomes not a performance objective, but a, a personal development objective, if you like and that we would m make a much greater commitment to training managers, just as in first aid for mental health, in first aid for obesity and other lifestyle, if you like, related issues. That went down well with a lot of the nurses and perhaps, understandably, not with the line managers who felt that it would be controversial, potentially discriminatory. Mm. What was very interesting with the work on obesity was not at any point did any of the nurses that we interviewed ever feel that this was an issue that shouldn't be raised. Mm. The RCN were extremely concerned about having a stand at Congress and to have this. and it was totally acceptable to everyone that this is an issue and we should be doing something about it. Mm. I was dying to dive in there and say, I wonder how, I've never ever thought of putting that in, in appraisal as to how that went down. It's quite interesting, isn't it, that um, it seems to be a split that I would have immediately thought from the employee side that would not be um, terribly welcome. Um, I suppose there's an issue of um, preparedness for, for the employer side. I'm just thinking when I was a manager, oh, my goodness, not that it's another thing to do, but could I actually provide something 
uh, of value to people. I think that's the case. And I think a lot of the line managers were very concerned whether they felt equipped mm -hmm. to, to raise the issue. And it's the raising of the issue that's the more of a problem than finding things that could be done. But of course, our colleagues that we worked with at Edinburgh University did a, a, a study with their student nurses and found that the nurses who had BMIs over 35 couldn't actually do core tasks. So they couldn't do CPR, and they couldn't do lifting, and so on. And we heard from occupational health in several trusts of examples where it had proved problematic. And of course, the issues around recruitment and retention, uh, particularly retention with an aging workforce, this is, this is going to cause a problem. So going forward, Jane, the gaps in the research, the areas, because this work you, you, is ongoing, um, what next um, in terms of both research and for those listening who um, are out there both as nurses and employers and, and at every level, um, what's next really? Because this is quite, uh, I would imagine, it's a fascinating subject, isn't it? And I hadn't thought of the kind of dynamic issue of both causes, but also, by saying causes, it's rather judgmental, but issues um, and solutions. So it's just where the research goes now and what people out there can, can effectively be doing to support staff. Mm. I think in terms of research, there are three areas, really. So we need to know more about the impact that being a role model or the expectation to be a role mm. model has on how nurses see themselves and nursing identity. Because if everybody agrees that we should be a role model, then what does it mean if you're visibly not? And that also, we know very little about how patients see that. Mm. What we do know, what we did find from our research, the limited amount, was that patients also have, uh, are less likely to accept messages from those that are not visible, um, living that themselves. Now that's not... Living, living the message. Yes, that's <laughs> yeah. not to say that we should in any way criticise people. We mm. have to keep the other side of this argument, which is, it isn't easy, and we are not making it easy for people to lead healthy lifestyles. And for the sake of individuals themselves as, as employers, but also in terms of the workforce as a whole, this is a very important issue. We just did a, um, a little study, a global study, to see whether it was an issue in other countries. And of course, the same, much of the same came out that this is an issue in other countries and that nursing associations do feel they should do something about it. But I think it is a problem to know exactly what to do. We did uh, some literature searching to see whether there was anything that would tell us what might work. Mm -hmm. And we couldn't find anything that was convincing. There are some examples of trusts that have tried different things, um, for example, incentivizing weight loss, 
there was uh, a trust in London that offered tiered approach to weight loss. Um, but what we found overall is that these offers, and there are a lot of offers by employers of all sorts of things from Zumba to mm-hmm. whatever, are not taken up by practicing nurses. They're taken up by people in desk roles for obvious reasons that if you're working a 12-hour shift, the last Mm. thing that you think of doing before or after your shift is a Zumba class or Mm. whatever. And so one conclusion is that we must address food uh, more than all of these other offers. And we must make the offers available to nurses' working lives. So one of the pieces of work that C3 took over took up was producing a film that um, called No Yeah Butts or something mm-hmm, similar mm-hmm. to that tried to explore motivation and I think we need to do a lot more with NHS employers about what are the facilitators and barriers to to providing a more healthy workplace. Mm. I mean, has this uh, healthcare, uh, sort of finally, really, healthcare, uh, you're not a nurse, uh, looking at other areas, other workplaces, etc., learning from what others. I'm just always thinking about how we learnt in nursing healthcare about, um, from the aircraft industry, about a non punitive and a learning environment, why um, there is a low level of. Um, aircraft dropping from the sky because it's an open culture and those sorts of things. I suppose health promotion is incredibly complex, but I wondered whether there were there was any lessons to be learned by anybody else in any other industry, um, or are we quite unique in healthcare? And it seems as though we are quite, because we, of course as nurses, not that every nurse is there, although they may disagree 24-7, um, we are um, on our feet all the time. We're a high-pressured profession. We're prioritising our patients first. That's almost the culture. It is quite unique, isn't it? I just wonder whether there was anything to be learnt from anybody else who wasn't in nursing. I think you're absolutely right, Richard, in picking up on those things, that as a non-nurse, an honorary nurse, I now (laughs) like to feel, um, it shocked me that those kind of working conditions are considered acceptable, which I cannot think would be in other working environments. That if you're working at night, you have no access to food. Uh, The cost of the food that you have to buy. Of course, we're all probably familiar with being tired and wanting to eat fast food. But if that's three or four days of your, your week, that cumulatively will be damaging to your health. And I think... Trust certainly could do more. The sequin has enabled in some trust where there is a willingness to take this on, but there's a lot more that could be done. And there is a, uh, the, the chief nursing officer has a, a, a nurse's health and well-being reference group who are looking for examples of good practice and what could be done. One of the things that that group has addressed is hydration, She did send a directive to all trusts to say there is no reason for there not being drinking stations available or water bottles available on nurses' stations. Uh, 
but still people bring examples where mm. that hasn't mm. happened. I think these are the, the ways that we need to, to look at is what are the examples of good practice? Can we make this more acceptable, more desirable, if you like, mandated mm. rather than leaving it up to individual trusts to mm. take on or not? And I keep saying just finally, that's just my habit, Jane, and then I ask another question. Um, but honestly, just finally, um, obviously this research is being published, there's resources out there, there'll be people listening who'll say, well, can, where can I read more about Jane's work and, and others? Um, I'm just wondering where people can access um, if they want to keep exploring the topic. Yes, we've, we've published several papers on nurses as role models. Uh, just a Google of nurses yes, as yes. role models will bring those up. We presented or published a study in the BMJ Open, which is the obesity prevalence study, um, which shows those figures. And again, obesity prevalence in England will bring up a lot of the discussion that followed that particular paper. Uh, we are looking globally to see what would be a, a global initiative in this year of a nurse and mm. midwife to, to see how we can take that forward in other countries as well. Uh, so actually my name and obesity brings up quite a few of these studies. <laughs> That's a terrible, <laughs> isn't that a terrible connection? I should be, I'm, yeah, well. I'm being prejudiced, <laughs> aren't I? Um, but uh, that's brilliant. Jane, it's so good to meet you at last. After all these years that we've been emailing on and off, we actually got together. So um, Professor Jane Wills, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Richard, for this opportunity. Okay, well, thanks very much to Richard and to Jane. That was really interesting. I found it really fascinating myself. So I'm sure nurses will get a lot out of it as well. Um, so Richard, what do you feel are the main kind of takeaway messages here? Well, Flavia, I was going to say, you know, where do you start with that? I was, mm. I was about to say there's a lot of food for thought, but, you know, I, I don't mean that. Um, puns no, seriously, no puns. <laughs> Um, I do think there's a lot of um, key points there um, to look at the role modelling issue, you, you know, the nurse's identity, how we come across to the, the public. Does being uh, slightly overweight, very overweight, do, does that matter? The role modelling issue is important, I think, um, but I'm not sure why it's important. So I think that's something to continue to look at. Obviously, as Jane is saying, diet seems to be the issue there, perhaps more than exercise. What individuals can do themselves but importantly what the employer and the organization can do and the interaction between the two a lot more research needs to be there because as you heard Jane was saying there are a lot of things on offer but why is it sometimes we don't take those things up should we take those things up there's the, all those issues as well um, but I think what it is saying is we are a unique and dynamic profession as well as we know mm. and we need to be looking particularly at how these issues relate to us as nurses and um, what can be done about them, really. So I know Jane's work rolls on and um, uh, watch this space. I'm sure we'll follow it through with the nursing standard.
Thanks, indeed we will. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. As always, you can get more information, including some of the resources that are associated with the topic, at rcni.com forward slash podcast, where you can also catch up on the series so far and find out other sort of related links on there as well. Now, as always, I'll just add in my little plug that if you enjoy listening to this podcast and we'd really appreciate a review, you can find us on Apple and Spotify podcasts and if you're able to leave a review there it just helps other people to find us as well so thank you very much and we'll be back very soon